If you have your Bibles, turn to me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And while you're turning there, just uh, want to reiterate how important next uh, Sunday is. It's, it's not like every other Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. And so we encourage you to help us out on Easter Sunday because we do anticipate having a lot of folks coming back. More and more people are coming onto campus and with uh, folks getting their vaccinations, uh, feeling more comfortable to be a part. So we anticipate having a lot more people next week. So what are we doing to accommodate? Well, we're adding back our sunrise service that we used to do years ago, and that'll be at 8 o'clock outside. So if you don't feel comfortable coming inside, we've provided a venue for that, and that'll be at 8 a.m. So we encourage some of you guys to also come to the 8 o'clock service, so that's a a thriving time, and also to have more room in here. If you choose to come to the 1015 service in the main auditorium, we just ask you to come forward uh, not to rededicate yourself. We, you can do that, but, but just move forward and fill in up closer. And we just encourage us all to be friendly, be looking out for our guests and, and stray dogs and, and whoever else uh, comes onto campus, just be, be looking for them. Well, in Greece, it's not uncommon to see steel reinforcement bars sticking out along the roof line of, of homes. And you also spot this down in Mexico and Central and South America. You can see this as well. So it is kind of confusing because you see these homes and also businesses that have the rebar sticking up. So it looks like it's a construction zone, right? But no work is being done. So it's confusing. We're like, okay, well, it's an unfinished building. Why aren't they finishing it? Well, it's a tax avoidance strategy. See, the exposed rebar sticking up communicates it's an unfinished property, that there's more work to be done, even though they have no intention of ever doing that work. In exchange for the unsightly rebar, well, the tenants can have 60% tax reduction. So it makes sense never to complete the dwelling. Well, I think sometimes we bought into the idea of exposed rebar Christianity, that we get some certain things in our life, and we, this is as far as I want to go. And, and I've completed this part, and I know there's more work to be done, but I don't really want to do that. There's no plans to continue my spiritual construction. And so we kind of live into that. And, and so we just ask the Lord and for everyone around that we, wherever our exposed rebar is, just give us extra grace. Because I have no intention of continuing my spiritual development. My wife, Jill, and I enjoy going to flea markets. And a few weeks ago, we were out at McKinney Trade Days. And we saw a couple coming towards us. And it was a couple kids. And you could just tell their whole family was kind of a hot mess. You know, they're, they're kind of coming along. And both of them had matching T-shirts. And I was like, okay, what does it say? And they said, we put the fun in dysfunctional. So I was like, all right. So they know that their family's a hot mess, but we're having a good time. And, and we're happy with that. Well, later on, about an hour later, we saw a lady that had another t-shirt I thought was funny uh, that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. So, right? Okay, so what they're saying is, I know I've got this rebar sticking out, but you just got to deal with it. That's who I am. This is as far as I'm going in my spiritual development. 
Well, we're in our final week of our series, New Mercies, with the idea being that God gives us new mercies each and every day to continue our growth and development, but we have to be willing to do that. So as we begin this morning, I want us to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord, as we wrap up this series and prepare for Easter and that great story, I I pray that each one of us can look to our lives and look and see where we've got that rebar sticking up. Lord, we know that you want to do and continue to do a work within us. Help us not to be content, but to to earnestly continue our growth and development till we become reflections of your son Jesus. His name we pray. Amen. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he's writing to his protege, Timothy in the faith, who's been dropped off in Ephesus, which was a tough town to begin a new work. So he's encouraging this young preacher with these words. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourishing on the truths of faith and the good teaching that you have followed have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training, go to the gym. I mean, that's awesome and it's good. Do your your running and all that. It's of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Okay, so the big idea of our message, what I hope to convey as we spend this time together is cultivating spiritual habits and practices fuels our change and growth. It helps us to continue that growth process. It's like, all right, we're gathering some materials here. We're putting some things in practice that will help us take that next step as we continue to grow and develop. Well, how do we change? Well, there's a question. How do we change? If you feel kind of stuck, how do you get from here to there? If you know where you want to be, how do you bridge that gap between point A and point B? Uh, Is it a supernatural thing? Is it the work of the Spirit? Yes. Yeah, it's God doing a good work in us. What's our part in change? What What portion do we put into this for God to bring this good work about in us? Well, that's something that we need to kind of wrestle with, you know, because I think as we're talking about change, we need to talk about our actions and our habits and our decisions because the pattern that we develop throughout the day helps reinforce where we are now. So if we want to go somewhere else, then we've got to change those decisions, change those habits, those routines to say, I'm going to implement this, so that may require I'm going to let go of that and pick up something else if I want to get to a new place. So once again, it's that desire. You know, when I was a soccer coach for both uh, our daughter and our son, I, I enjoyed doing soccer, uh, and when we would have practices, we'd spend about an hour, a little over, and we'd do some stretching, but then the first thing we did in the first 30 minutes was we would practice skills that were required for soccer. 
So there was a lot of dribbling. There was, you know, passing. There was the proper techniques for shooting, uh, for throwing the ball in, all different things that we worked on as defenders, positioning your body between the ball and the goal and moving your hips. You know, so we practiced these things and those skills. Well, the players didn't want to do that, but they realized that if they didn't have those skills when it came time for game, they wouldn't be prepared for that. So the second half was scrimmage, where we would practice, in particular, the things we learned in the skills portion. So that was training to help us play differently. You know, God's word trains us in right living is what it tells us. So we aren't told not only what not to do, but what we should do. You know, Paul tells Christians, train yourselves for godliness in verse 7. So it's this idea that we're taking time out from our normal routine to put some practices into training, into our routine, develop uh, and persevere through this so that we start living differently. Because the spiritual maturity and becoming like Jesus, it, it doesn't just happen, does it? We have to be intentional in what we choose to do. Paul says, you know, Bodily training, that's great, but godliness has value in every way. And what I have found is that the more time that I'm spending in training with God and on that, it spills over into my relationships with others. It spills over into how I conduct myself. It spills over into my ministry. The reverse is true as well. When I'm shirking my responsibility, when I'm not spending as much time with God, it starts coming out and how I interact with others, how I choose to spend time. And so Paul says, we've got to be in training. We've got to make sure that we're spending this time because it has value. It produces fruit in other areas of our life. Next, spiritual habits are a powerful part of our change as believers. You know, in, in, in describing the holy life, Theologian Richard Foster emphasizes this whole idea of adding virtues and habits. Here's what he says, and and notice this exchange that takes place. He sees virtue is good habits we can rely upon to make our life work. Conversely, vice is bad habits we can rely upon to make our life not work, to make it dysfunctional, as we say. So holy life is simply a life that works. So you understand what's going on? When we feel pressure, when we feel isolated, when we feel all kinds of different emotions, we react to that, either in a way where we get down on our knees and we're saying, Lord, I'm feeling this anxiety, I'm feeling this pressure, I'm worried about this. Help me in your word to see I don't need to have this anxiety. So that's a virtue that helps us in that situation. Or the opposite is, we still feel that same pressure, that anxiety, that worry. And so we turn to something else, a vice, to help us deal with that. And what he's saying is, whether we choose the virtue or the vice will determine if our life works or not. Here's the deal. We tend to think that this vice isn't hurting anyone else. It's just me. Ask those around you if your vice is spilling over into how you interact within your family. 
how it affects your marriage, how it affects your ability to witness to others. Because this vice that you're using is not forming you into the message of Christ. And so people aren't seeing Jesus in you. And what we don't realize is that's that rebar that's sticking out. And every time we turn, it's hitting someone else or poking someone. You're like, well, you just need to realize that's just where I am right now. Well, are you going to stay there? So these spiritual practices say, let's drop this vice for a while. And let's pick up this virtue and see. See if it starts producing fruit in all aspects of your life. See if your spouse notice. See if your kids notice when you come home from work that you have intentionally started putting this virtue in your life and see how it brings health to all around you. So we need to rec recognize we're creatures of habit. In fact, our habits tell more about who we are as a person than what we profess. And it's true. Philosopher James Smith says this, our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity. It's, it's what's deep down in here and becomes a wellspring from out which our actions and behaviors flow. What do you want? Do you want to spend time with God? Do you want to do, have this inside out transformation because when we're forming ourselves spiritually and allowing the spirit to occupy a bigger part of who we are that that becomes the foundation of our life it starts coming out and people are like wow God's doing something in you you're like, I, I know I, I've carved out some time for him and, and look what it's starting to do I'm talking different. I'm interacting different. My life's priorities are now changing because I have a different foundation. It's not like the, the Old Testament way that they were outside in. No, no, no. It, it's inside out, allowing God's Spirit to begin this work. So our daily habits have to be shaped by the disciplines that recalibrate our hearts to the things that God desires. And you know what they are. is prayer, meditation, reading scripture, spending time in praise, and other disciplines that begin shaping our heart and training our lives for godliness. And brick by brick, we start adding that next part into our spiritual lives. And suddenly, this part of the rebar isn't showing anymore. It's providing structure for what's, going, what's being added. What God is adding by our intentionality. Finally, think of someone who is talented in the area of life. So when we see a performer, whether it be someone on a field or on a stage, so maybe it's a great musician or an athlete, do you ever wonder how much of it is just raw talent and how much of it is their preparation? In reality, it's probably both. They've got some natural stuff going on, but it's also, it's a training of the body. It, it is nutrition. It's all the time in practice. It's all that time in the back room with the guitar when no one else is around that allows you to perform on the stage and amaze people with your God-given talent that you've cultivated and developed. Maybe you remember, still painful for me, back in 2014, the New York Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. 
did what seemed to be the impossible with Cowboys cornerback Brandon Carr holding on to his left arm and spinning him around before he fell to the ground. Odell, I don't know how he did it, reaches up with one hand as he is falling backwards and catches that with his right hand. How many of y'all remember that? I mean, it was just incredible. And so you're like, that was the most awesome thing I've ever seen. So you had um, Collingsworth was, was calling the game that day, and Chris Collingsworth was a receiver as well, and he goes, that's the best catch I've ever seen in my entire life. You're like, wow, well, that was lucky. No, in, in reality, Odell had been practicing one-handed catches for years. And in fact, every game he went out and during warm-ups did nothing but catch it with one hand or the other. Because he knew there would be an opportunity one day when both hands wouldn't be freed and he would be ready for that moment. But it's important for us to note, as impressive as that catch was, the Cowboys went on to win 31-28. So... But habits that cultivate spiritual formation, they bring about change. But it's intentionally going to do this. They don't generally just happen overnight. But it's a new pattern. It's a new routine that we put into to practice. So when habits become second nature, we find ourselves acting in ways that we hadn't acted in the past. So something that would immediately cause you to fly off the handle, you're like, I'm going to take this in stride. And you and your spouse are kind of looking at each other going, wow, why didn't you react that when that guy cut you off like you've done? I've been spending a little time in prayer asking the Lord, can you help me with my anger? Can you help me not to react when something isn't going my way? And so it becomes a new pattern for your life because you've been spending time doing that. Where do we start? What habits do we pick up? This is a familiar passage about the early Christian believers there in Jerusalem. Remember at the time of Pentecost, after the resurrection, 50 days had taken place, and they're all there, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and uh, people are just amazed at what's happening, and people are prophesying, and you see the work of the Spirit happening. And folks that have come in for the pilgrimage for this feast of Passover, they're like, we're not leaving. We're staying. And so they formed this makeshift community out in tents and doing everything else, housing folks, they're selling land, and they're creating this unusual community. Listen to and see if you can pick up, I, I picked up five habits, five practices that will help us to continue our renovation. See if you can pick up on these. This is Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. These believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions, gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added a number daily, those that were being saved. How many did you pick up? Did you pick up a few? Well, the first one says that they devote themselves to teaching. 
Now, to me, teaching is a discipline in two different ways. It's a habit we need to pick up on. One is receiving from God, but then also teaching others, right? And sharing what we've learned for others. Because if we're just pulling in and we just allow it to stay with us, it tends to get stagnant. And we tend to grow more when we're sharing with others. So let's look at these individually. It's the same discipline, though. So receiving. You know, there are times when people say, well, I'm just not being fed. I'm like, you're starving to death in a grocery store. You are. There has never been a time in human history where you could receive as much preaching and teaching as right now. When I was a new minister, I would go to lectureships, and you'd hear about all these fantastic preachers and teachers and professors, and you'd soak in all that you could, and at the end of the lectureship, you'd go to the tape counter. How many of y'all remember going to the tape counter at lectureships? And what you would do is they'd give you a little form, and you would mark off which lectures really impacted you and that you could steal from later, right? And then also the ones that oh, there was a double time slot, and I really wanted to hear this one, but I went to this class. And so they would put together an album, and you'd have 20 cassettes. I'll tell you what cassettes are later. But, and you would put that in your car, and you'd listen to it. Later, it was CDs. That no longer exists. You can listen to any preacher from around the world. You can sit in on classes right now for free that are taking place live. The thing that only... A certain number of people were able to be exposed to. You can be exposed to right now. But you got to take the time to do that. What about teaching others? Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. We talked about this in our Hebrews series. Hebrew writers talking with these believers. And he's like, um, y'all received the teaching that we passed on to you? Yeah. And other people have dropped by this area around Rome. Uh, so you've received a lot. Lots coming in. By now, you ought to be teaching others. You've received a lot. You've been at the trough. You're soaking in. Well, good teaching. Good. What are you doing to teach others? Those that are mature should do that. Sign up to teach in our campus at whatever age you'd like. Young ones, uh, our preteens, middle school, high school, adults, whatever. Choose and say, I'm going to take one quarter and I'm going to go and teach. Here's what I found. Who learns the most in a classroom? The teacher. So if you want to, you're like, well, I just don't know enough to be able to teach. Teach so you'll learn more. You'll invest in that, and you grow so much when you teach. You don't want to teach on campus. Wilmer has a Bible study almost every night of the week. Say, Wilmer, can you put me on one of your Zoom calls? I want to watch you do what you do. I may throw in something, but I'm just going to learn from you. Hopefully, I'll be able to do that as well. David Woodward's here this morning. Would love to be a part of Friendspeak, where you go, and you sit down, and you listen to people that English is their second language practice studying English by reading the Bible. And occasionally faith questions come up. And boy, I, I did that for a while and there was some stuff I didn't have a good answer for. So I'm like, okay, time out. Can we shelve that? I'll have an answer next week. And that's fine. 
But these are opportunities. If you've received, 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 and teaching, oh, I heard this. You need a platform for teaching others. It's a discipline, but we have to make a commitment to do that. The second thing they committed themselves was to fellowship. Fellowship is a decision, but is saying, me and my house, we're going to devote ourselves to this community of believers in this congregation. We may do this or that or the other and kind of piecemeal, but we're devoting ourselves to a community, a community where we can do life together, but also where we can serve. We have a catchphrase that we use around here at High Point. We want everyone to be known and needed. We want you to build those relationships. We also want you to use your gifts to help others. We want you to be known. We want you to be needed. And if you're not known or you're not needed, boy, it, it, come, come talk with me. But what, what are you do, whose responsibility is to connect with you? Well, it, it's ours, but it's also yours as well. We both have to make an effort for you to build relationships, but also to use your gifts. But come talk with me. But we want you to be committed to this fellowship. Make it a priority. So the habit is join a small group and find a place to serve. Now, some of our small groups are going to be kind of trailing off as we get into May and taking a break for the summer. But this fall, we're going to be adding some new groups, some new leaders. And by the way, we're looking for more. We want 100% of our congregation to be involved in a small group. Why? It's our primary touch point for developing community within a larger fellowship. It's also how we do a lot of our shepherding. Our shepherds go to these groups. And so if you don't even know who your shepherd is, well, we want to do a better job at that. But join a small group to where you get into a community that's caring for you. And you have a shepherd coming by where you can talk about things and start cultivating that relationship. So make fellowship a priority. Number three that was listed was hospitality. I tell you, there are people that do hospitality fantastic. But everyone has the opportunity to do this. And by hospitality, what I'm talking about is creating space for ministry to happen. You know, for fellowship to flourish, oftentimes you need a house to do it in and a host. You know, it's hard work, but you're supplying the venue for ministry and life change to happen. So it happens within it when we intentionally are providing this opportunity. So what's your habit that you can work on this? Host a small group. Maybe not every week, but just volunteer. Hey, we'll do it at our house. So it gives your primary small group leader a break. Sign up for uh, to be a room mom at your school. To say, I'm going to be a room mom, a room dad, and I'll go on the field trips. I'll provide some support behind. That's hospitality. It's not opening up your home, but it's saying, I want to do what I can to support what's happening within this classroom. Also, we have adopted Vega Elementary. Uh, What can we do to support those teachers, to encourage them? What can we do to uh, practice hospitality? Can we take some goodies over to those teachers and show them how much they're appreciated? Next, we see the believers were devoted to prayer, and, and that's intentionally communing with God. If, if, if we receive in Scripture God's blessings and God's promises and God's teaching, taking time to get down on our knees and allowing God to shape us 
and prayer and spending time with him and communing and meditation before God. So the habit is, what time of day are you going to do that? We see the trial that Daniel went through when they threw him down into um, the den of lions. Why did that take place? Well, those that were against Daniel knew if we're going to get him on something, it's not going to be on how he runs the country. It's not how he does his job. It's on something to do with his faith. And they knew exactly when they would go arrest him. Well, he has morning prayer. He comes home at lunch and has peanut butter and jelly, but then he gets down on his knees again. He prays, and then at night he prays. So he has three different times, just morning, noon, and night. Pick your time. We'll go arrest him at one of those. That was his habit. That was his discipline that allowed him not to shy back during a time where his faith is being challenged and his life has been put on the line. Finally, we see generosity, giving of your time and your talent and your treasures. You know, we as a church are devoted to giving back to God and helping in our community uh, through financial gifts, but it's also through using our resources and our time. It's saying, God's given me gifts, and I've made money with those gifts. Can I give some of that back? But can I also use some of my unique experiences, some of my unique talents, to use that in a different way, not to benefit my job, but how can I use those talents that God's given me to bless others? And certainly with our time, can we be generous with our time? So what's the habit that goes with generosity? I think first, each of us needs to take some time and do inventory. They say you can kind of tell what's most important to you when you look at your check registry. See how you're, you're spending money. But it's also looking at your, your phone and looking at your counter going, what is it that's constantly I'm spending time in? What are, when you have some downtime, you pick up your phone, what do you use in those extra few minutes? That's what's most important to you. So if we can look at how we're spending our time and how we're spending our money, that gives us an opportunity to say, you know what? That's some rebar sticking out. I need to cover that up. I need to keep developing in this area and how I spend my time and how I spend my money. So these are five Pick one this week, today, and say, okay, it's my prayer life. i got to spend more time in that. i got to carve out more. Uh, honey, we, we need to talk about finances. We need to rearrange some things. When was the last time that we had someone over to the house? So pick hospitality. If you're ambitious, pick two, but I encourage you, Pick one area where God needs to continue growing in your life. Luke chapter 14. There are a bunch of people that are excited about Jesus' ministry. And big crowds would follow. And from time to time, in in my mind, Jesus walking down the road and big dust behind him. And he would just stop. And then, you know, someone's not looking. And they bump into him. and And he turns around. And what he asks them is, Are you aware of what you're doing? Are you aware of the walk that you're going on? Are you ready for the cost that comes with discipleship? And are you willing to pay that? 
So do you need to realize, it's like someone that's building a tower. And, and they get up and they're like, I, I want to build this thing. Have you counted the cost? Have you looked at what your labor is going to be? Have you looked at the time? You know, have you looked at how expensive two-by-fours are right now? Count the cost of materials and labor and everything and figure out before you get started, are you going to be able to bring this to completion? Because if you're not, if you, I'm going to build this halfway and we're going to move in before it's done. Hopefully we'll get it finished. And that's what your spiritual life is. He says it brings upon ridicule upon those that are moving in, unable to complete their structure. Folks, we've got to take our discipleship serious. And we've got to realize that good enough is not good enough. Because it's not just about us. It's about the world around us, and it's about what are we communicating about what it means to be a disciple, and what is it that the change that is taking place in our life, we're calling others to. Because if there's no change taking place, and we're not living any differently than our neighbors, if, we, if our temper is just as short as our coworker next to us, why would they want to come to Jesus? God wants us to take our discipleship serious. Don't settle for halfway done. Where's the exposed rebar in your life? What needs to continue being that next level that gets added onto your dwelling? We know if we're committed, we can be confident that he who began a good work in you will continue to make it happen until it's complete on the day of Christ Jesus. It won't be done until Jesus returns, but we need to be about our master's business, cultivating, continue building through the power of the Spirit, through the power of God's new mercies given to us each and every morning. We make that change. What's God putting on your heart to do? Do it today. Choose one habit and say, I'm putting down this vice and I'm choosing this virtue. If we can help you, come now as we stand and as we sing.